Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. That's too high. How would you know? Sam's not even in the room. No, I'm talking to myself. (laughs) Go a bit lower. That's too low. No, a bit more. Split the difference. (laughs) Split the difference, Evie. Evie, split the difference, please. That's perfect. You did really well there. Darling, don't you wait. Darling, I'll be home too late. Said to myself all the time. I'll go, go dancing in the red day rain. Do when it is at the park and reminiscing. <sighs> Who sings that? Little River Band. Otherwise known as? The LBR. Little LRB. LRB. That's it. It's like she, she's. <laughs> She's I don't fun. What's going on? She's fun. <laughs> She's fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chickstery. Hello, and oh, welcome to me. <laughs> oh, good I. And me. And you. You and me. How's your week been? <gasps> That's a good question, Evie. You done any preambling today? Um, you're being funny because I said I've got a lot of preamble to do. Yeah, I don't know what that means. You know, like like preamble, like before the show, chitty chats. Well, if this is the show. I mean, before the, the chickstery. Oh, chitty chats. You know, chats. like they're just chitty chats before it. Chitty chatty bang bang. Oh, good movie. Yeah, just have a couple of things to talk about. All right, come if on. You don't mind. Get into it. We have uh, no time to be <laughs> wasting. Okay, so first of all. Mm. We're still in lockdown. <sighs> we don't know when we're going to get out of lockdown. Probably the 28th of October. Yeah. I mean, that's still another long time away. It's a month and a half away. Yeah. Um, no, but what I was going to say is I know you don't like hearing about dreams, but... Oh, shit. <laughs> she got me in. She got me, people. She sat me down. She's put a freaking microphone in front of me and she's gone, well, I've got something really important to talk about and I've said, yes, you can talk to me about anything. anything. And then she's laid this on me. Sucked in. Oh, tell me about your freaking dream because there is nothing people Word. want oh, no. to know more. No, I'm not going to tell you about I'm going to tell you about my dream last night. I told ScoMo off. Did you? I'm nodding. Oh, Okay. I did. Yeah. I really told him off. Did you? Yeah, and it what went did you viral. Say to him? It's a went went, virus. How did you say? What did you do on, I on said, the Twitter? You, it was back in the bushfire days, and oh. I said, "You need to be a better leader." Where were you? Mm. And then he started walking away, and a man started to try to, you know, calm me down. Yeah. But you get away from me, and then I went, Scott, and he just stopped and Scott. turned and looked at me like the half of his face was, "Did you just call me by my first name?" And the other half was, yes. <laughs> I See? Dreams are brilliant. <laughs> that was a brilliant. That's I was so good. angry. I woke up angry. Yeah. I know. Well, that's dreams can do that. No, look, I wasn't going to tell you about my dream. I was just going to say that. Oh. 
Oh, my, speak on. I've been having just the most vivid, weirdest dreams. Me too. And everyone I talk to... Has been. Ha- it's been the same. And you, Sammy, just nod. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. And this is my theory. I think because our worlds are so small... Our imaginations are making up for it. Yeah, I think you've got something there. It's like, you know, when there's nothing really bad happening in the world, really sad music becomes popular. And if something really, really bad is happening in the world, happy music like Barbie Girl. I think I told you that theory. Yeah, it's It's not your theory, but it is a real theory. It's not even a theory. It's proven, isn't it? It's real. Because your 90s grunge was... Um, the world was everyone was fu- there was nothing really going on majorly going on golf war but who cares about <laughs> that <laughs> nothing majorly going on um no but anyway the scientists say that anyway i just wanted to say that um yeah weird dreams number one number two well i'm glad that um you did talk about the dreams and i'm sorry that you didn't yeah. tell me about your dream and i ended up telling you about mine yeah. after i yelled at you this yeah this is pretty much how friendships been for the last 20 years but that's okay that's how we are. It's yeah. how we roll. It's how we roll. Be quiet. Just tone it down a bit, mate. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that I took your advice about um, oh, good. orchestrating a, oh. a good cry. Oh, good. And I bawled my eyes out to a show called Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, sorry. Evelyn. Evelyn. Yes, it's on Netflix at the moment, and yeah. um, oh, it's a documentary. It's a documentary of family who lose a brother to suicide, and it is the most saddest. Oh, like you can't say the most saddest. It's the saddest or the most sad. It's the most saddest. <laughs> say whatever the fuck I like. Um, and um. Yeah, look, just I, – and I, and I wailed. Yeah, yeah, good. And Sometimes you have to get it going. It was really cathartic. Yeah. It, but – Feel better? If you feel like a good cry, watch it because it's – I don't. Very anymore. sad. Very, very sad. I've got my p- colour purple to yeah. trigger it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that sounds – If anyone's looking for something at the moment, I don't know if it's sad. Evelyn. And look, trigger warning because it's – Evelyn. So it's a guy, a oh, son, their son Evelyn. called Evelyn. Didn't you just say it was Evelyn? Yeah, which is what I want to say, but that's wrong. It's oh, Evelyn. It's Evelyn. Evelyn. Yeah. It's never been Evelyn. Hang on. Is, e- is Evelyn the girl? Evelyn. Evelyn. Is the girl. Yeah, it's not that. It's, Ev- oh. it's Evelyn. Evelyn? Evelyn, yeah. Where is he from? They're, well, it's, uh, I think it's Scottish. Aye. Originally. No, 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 the dad's German. Oh, oh. Evelyn. Oh, no, that's Anyway, yeah. super sad. The family decide to go on a, a hike. And redo all the hikes that he used to like doing, and Aww. along the way they they talk about that he has been uh, gone. I think it's ten years or fifteen years. The family has never spoken about it, and so the two brothers and the sister go on this hike, and they bring in other family members and friends, and they all talk about him in these different ways, and they all have their moments of kind of where it gets to them, and they really break down, and it's just mm. heartbreaking, but. Anyway, you know, just for a real good uplifter, you know, <laughs> you really just feel like no, you do need ooh. these kind of yeah, yeah. It was we good. need I the light and the dark. Yeah, yeah. We need the up and the down. We need the sad and the happy. I did. I did ugly cry. Um, oh, the I other love ugly cry. 
Yeah. The other thing I've been watching lately, which we need to talk about, which I think you might like because it's sci-fi. Oh, I do love a sci-fi. Is it post-apocalyptic? That's my favourite. Raised by Wolves. Oh, right. Okay. Are they actually raised by wolves? No. Good. Not going to. I will go and watch it because I actually thought, well, if they're being raised by wolves, this is just Nell. And oh, that, Nell. That was weird. <laughs> Nell. That was, that was just, remember when yes. everyone went on about Nell, Nell. And, but everyone just paid out on it the entire yes. time? Like yes. everyone tried to do the Nell talk? Yes. Yeah. No, raised by wolves. So it's, um, it's, it's. Set in the future. I thought you were going to tell me about it. No, I'm going to tell you a little bit about okay. it. Set in the future. It's it's about two androids who oh, raise no, humans. No, don't want that. No, no robots. I don't like robots. What do you think sci-fi is about? Um, science fiction. It's about science and it's made up. That's. It's not about robots. What? <laughs> <laughs> No, I do like sci-fi, How but can not, you get sci-fi not that. Robots? I don't like Star Trek. I don't like anything with oh, robots in it. Okay. I don't like anything. Did you like Blade Runner? No. Oh, well, you won't like it then. It's from the same producer, Ridley Scott. Is it? Yep. Yeah, Blade Runner was really hard. Aliens and Blade Runner. Oh, I didn't like Alien. Yeah, okay. You know what I like? You I'll tell like you the sci-fi then. I like. What? Which? I like the sci-fi like Black Mirror. Okay. Um, children of men. Well, there's, there's, excuse me, but there is AI and robots in Black Mirror. Yeah, but that's not what it's about. Jesus Christ. Tough crowd. Tough. Oh, tough. the toughest. We never agree on movies anyway, so. Oh. Um, can I just tell you something funny that I read this week? Mm. Please um, do. There's an ex-AFL player who was in the jungle, I think, before me. Mm. <laughs> or before me, before that, them. Anyway, his name's Dane Swan. Mm. Came second to Casey Donovan. Great. Awesome. He was awesome. I just remember him being in the jungle going, <laughs> he was just lying in his cot or whatever yeah, they call yeah, them. Yeah. And Ash Pollard goes, what are you thinking about, Dane? And he just goes, <laughs> I was thinking how many footballs would you need to strap to your body to float in the ocean? <laughs> Started laughing, and it was such a funny moment. Anyway, you know how we've just been told we've been extended in lockdown. Well, yeah. he's tweeted, "You know, Dan Andrews, you are wearing my patience." <laughs> and he's serious, like really, yeah. you know, this is not right. Blah 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 blah. So people have gone him pretty hard, yeah, right. yeah. As you do, as you do, and it's his not Dan's fault. Response is, "This is my effing Twitter." And I will effing say whatever I effing want. I've been doing research and there are things to find out. It's not rocket surgery. (laughs) (laughs) He did it. He did. You can have a look at the tweet. Did he? Anytime. It's It's not not rocket rocket surgery. surgery. That's going to become one of our sayings. I was um, talking to a friend in Sydney this morning and she was like, what's the daylight today? And I said, it's raining. But um, I said it's good because hopefully that will keep the protesters from protesting today. She goes, "Why are they?" Pro-? And I said, "You can't, mm. you can't mm. argue with stupid. You can't." Yeah. Yep. Said, but have you noticed that they're only protesting now? The numbers are low because it's cases? safe to do so. Yeah, it's safe to do. Where were you when it was four hundred? <laughs> no, no, no. When Where it's seven hundred, no, no. The then. risk is too high for the fake virus, Evie. <laughs> 
You know what else I realised this morning? What? The conspiracy theorists. Mm. I mean, we all know it's all stupid. Yeah. But I've just realised how stupid. You know, in Victoria, we can't get the tracing right because we didn't do... We didn't get the right program. Like yeah. we could have got really high tech, what state of the mach- art fax machines and um, <laughs> uh, gridded Ro- gridded exercise <laughs> books is not is not state of the art technology. So you know Excuse what? me. I know. Look, and we got it this week, but yeah. they're not making a big deal of it, mm. and mm. we're not. We're, we don't want to say sorry mm. that we should have, mm. should have, could have, would have. Yeah. But you know what? It's led me to really believe if anyone thinks that the government is in any way controlling us yeah they can't organize a route in a brothel yeah. most of the time <laughs> just a go to centrelink yeah just just <laughs> just try to go 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 to vic roads yep yeah and then tell me that the public <laughs> sector is somehow controlling What's try going to, on in the world? Try to get something delivered from Australia Post. Yep. Um, and maybe let's just ask our workers if they'd like to volunteer their time <laughs> to help us clear the backlog. Yes. What? what? Why don't they just employ people? No. They've you know, asked for so many people imagine, needing jobs. Imagine that, like being asked to volunteer your time to help us clear the backlog. I would just to find my letter. Yeah. I would too. I would just to find my bloody exercise machine. I'm still waiting on from China what since March. What exercise machine? I ordered a, a thing that you put your feet in and you use it to use your, to get your resistance training going on. What is it just rubber bands? Pretty much, but it's got like a foot thing and you and you do that and you 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 can't see what I'm doing. But yeah, I ordered it from China in March. It's gone. So, you will get it. 2025 yeah. is your year, I think. Yeah. I th- I think so. it's all of our years. It's all of our years. Dr. Chris Brown's birthday yesterday. Um, yeah. And I said happy to him, birthday, it'll be Dr. Chris. Happy birthday. It'll be nice For to see you again one late. day. Yeah. And he goes, Yeah, I can't wait. I'm holding off and we'll have drinks when we actually get to see each other. And I just wrote back 2025. 2025. I am, um, you're just talking about the Rona. I just can't, I don't like now that it's all gone into this infighting. You yeah. know, he said, she, she said, said I didn't do it. You know, it reminds me of that, you know, remember, did you used to sing, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? No, I didn't. Evie stole oh. the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Well, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? And then you go around your class oh. and everyone. You Annie said, stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Couldn't be you. Who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Sam all stole the cookie from, from the cookie jar. Yes, you. <laughs> you can add that in later, Sam. Yeah. Um, at it's home. like that. Hey, anyone that's listening, you've just added yourself as well. Yeah. Exactly. Now I want cookies. It's like... <laughs> It's like that. They're all going, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me. Yeah, wasn't that, me. that's the worst thing. The po- dumb. Bringing politics into yes. anything is really a dumb thing to do. But it is what we do. Yeah. Because people need to blame. Yeah, someone has to be held. I think because we're, especially, you know, Victorians have just had it up to here. I'm no, it's really, not rocket surgery, but it's, it's like <laughs> I have had it up to here. Oh, my patience is, is wearing, wearing thin. thin. No, I, um, I am very disappointed in Daniel 
Andrews. I've been backing him for a long time. Why have you turned now? Well, because of the tracing stuff. Yeah. What's come out. I know. But that's not him. He, it's not, he's one man. He would have a team of people. I think though he, at the end of the day, you have to have a leader, but where he comes from is the public sector. He's only ever done, and he really doesn't get, you know, it's like Centrelink or, um, Vic Roads or, you know, yeah. RMS Sydney, the yeah. New South Wales service. It's, you know how long it takes to get something through, especially yeah. if it's a new yes. digital yeah. state-of-the-art, whereas private sector that's just like, let's try it, let's try yeah. stuff. New South Wales is pretty much mostly private everything now, yeah. Yeah. which d- is really bad for so many things. Mm. But f- when it comes to this, yeah. people work their asses off when it's private. Yeah. You know, yeah, the public yeah, yeah, sector. Yeah, yeah. And Dan comes from a public sector. So there is, I think, an innate mm. um, oh, fear of trying something new. Yeah. And, you know, did you realise how much the states don't talk to each other? Yeah. And, and this has really brought out just how bad the states yeah. are. There was an article yeah. I read about a family moving from Melbourne to Perth and they had to go through five states, ended up because every time they got to one border, they were turned away even though they had had their side saying we allow you in when they got mm. to the border so they had to go to, to Adelaide then they had to go to Alice Sprit, like the, yeah. to Darwin yeah 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 they ended up because no one talks to each other That's just and I didn't realize just how bad it was but it's incredibly bad yeah well I mean that happens even just in like an organization yeah Imagine like the whole, you know, it's the whole country who doesn't talk to each other. The right yeah. hand's not talking to the left hand. Yeah. And it's like, why not? Just everyone just get on a Zoom call. Yeah, well, that's Have it. A chat. I think there needs to be a, a lot more uh, national things going on. Like, you know, the Opal card is what really got New South Wales yes. tracing to be, you know, they used a, yeah. a service yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, we have a Mikey. Yeah. It's different. We need to have things across the board yeah. in this country because we are all together. Yeah. They're, you know, Apparently, it's interesting because we watched in this. Back in Time. Yeah, love it. Love that show. Love it. Watch it. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Watch it. ABC. And they were talking about how they, when they became states, or they're about to, like, you know, just how um, they were all one and then they split up mm-hmm. and that what year that happened and mm-hmm. blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And I was like, wow, that is interesting. There is a pinpoint of when we all split up yep. in the same country. Yes. So everyone's making different decisions. Yeah. And and ScoMo just seems to be like picking a favourite child. Absolutely. And going, you're my favourite child because you've done really well yep. with Victoria. Yep. Look, I can't even look at you right yeah, now. Worst case scenario. I can't even look at you. But you know, to be fair, he the federal government can't do things that about the state government at times. They yeah, can't. I know. They're, they're I know. Literally and that's not allowed silly. to. That's got to change. Yeah. yeah Although, yeah. you know, do we want Skymo to be able to make those yeah, changes? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's move on from the Rona because let's get Oprah. And I just had one more thing because I, I like talking about these things with you because you always have a good view on them, but. Lately, I'm having – I mean, it's a real dilemma, okay? Yeah. And I think it's because I'm I'm getting a bit more woke about things. Once you start seeing things, you can't unsee them. So I'm, I'm not <clears> – <throat> there's a fine line between being entertained still and then seeing the, the stuff that's going on in the background. For example, last night I watched 
the the home edit that show that's on Netflix at the moment, and it's these two girls that come in and organize your house. Oh yeah. So I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna love it, like because I love the Marie Kondo stuff and you know yeah, all of that. Yeah, I love, love it. it. I kind of just oh, it scratches an itch for me. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. It, I'm, I'm not even just, sure which end that came out of. <laughs> no, yeah. So I was watching it and these two girls are like you know sitting on a couch and it's all lovely and they're like hey we're we come into your home and we organize like your closet and uh you know we work all around the country and we've been dying to like work with you know stars anyway they go to Reese Witherspoon's house and they organize her closet and it's all of her memorabilia from all of her movies so it's like her, all of her Oscars dresses and her Legally Blonde stuff and her stuff that she was got from when she was doing Big Little Lies and like so it's and it's this closet of, I mean I'm we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff, and these women are there getting all excited about well we've put all of your Oscar dresses here and we've labelled them all like Oscars two thousand and seven and this is the and they're like walking the dress through the closet with gloves on, going, don't touch it, don't touch it, no one move, no one move, no one move, no one, we're going to hang it up here. Hang. And then they stand back and just look at it. And I just, and then I just kind of was watching it thinking like, this is like extreme materialistic, that she even has a closet that's just put aside for all of these really, like it's just, it was, it was actually gross. Like yeah. I couldn't. I don't know. And then I was like, is this because, you know, we're, we're taught about, you know, the more you learn and the more you grow up and you sort of think about things and you think about, you know, waste and materialistic stuff and all of that. I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't get into it because all I kept thinking was there are people starving and in the world who don't have clothes yeah. and you've got a whole wardrobe full of, you know, Oh, it's this, here's the hat from Legally Blonde, and here's the dress, and it's like, mm. like. But then I was like, well, she has a, she's worked hard to get that, yeah. and so she has a right to do that. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It just to me, I just think those shows of you know, and then they they go to another a a, do, a, a woman who's a, a gyne, no, a child doctor, and they do her wardrobe, and we're talking these like huge walk-in closets, you know, where everyone has, you know, just excess of everything. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot of stuff. Yeah, too much stuff. Too much stuff. And I'm like, who, what about the real person's closet, like me, who has one closet? Yeah. And, you know, I've got tops, pants, jackets, jumpers. Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, it that's just, for the living room, isn't it? That's for the living room. You're not going to be on Mary Kondo. <sighs> no. Oh, does she do normal people? Mary? Yeah, Mary Kondo does normal people. Yeah, 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 yeah. She goes around and organises. But anyway, I do don't know. Throw I just, out? They do. They do do like an edit where they throw where they do yeah. go. Do you still wear these? No, they're broken. I'm going to throw them up. They do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. My point is, I'm just like. And then and then I was watching also um, this week. Um, you know, the only way is Essex because it's hilarious, and I yeah, used to love that show. You do. That and I was the thinking, day. the men on that show, just the way they're treating these women. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where this girl's at the gym and she's, you know, working out and this guy literally got looks on his face and he's just kind of undressing her and you can tell he's just, it's gross. Yeah. And I'm like, well, now that's ruined because now I'm thinking like, you know, 
oh, like all these managers, like. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Because Batchy? I can't watch Batchy no, anymore. No. Can't watch it's it? It's hard, isn't it? Can't watch can't it. Can't watch it either. Because there's just a room full of really nasty yep. women yep. who are being nasty to each other. Yep. Yep. And he just keeps talking about their looks and that's what's really important <sighs> to him. Um, yeah. The last I've watched of it, um, which is not a lot, he was like, I think right in the beginning a girl could eat burritos and he was like, oh, she yeah. looks like that and she can eat burritos. Yeah. Winning. So I think it's good because I think it's – I think because – it's all like a little well, I personal think it is a good shift. Thing. Yeah, and I, I do think it is a good thing. And I think that that's a small drop in the ocean that can make a really big ripple. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do believe that those kind of shows feed your pain body. Yes. Those trashy reality. Yes. I do get them. But I do think that they're subliminally dreadful. Yeah. And they really are making stupid people famous. Uh, and yeah. it's not just us laughing at them. Because people dress like them, people talk like them, yes. people start doing things like yes. them. It influences yeah. people. It starts saying it's okay to be a guy and treat women like shit. Yeah, yeah. Because he does it exactly. So boys can will be boys. Sissy's really giving it a good go in the background. Oh, she's slow. She? Sis, sis, I love you. Anyway, I think it's kind of like maybe I'm. Getting more conscious, yep. like you're watching it and you're being more, you're yep. more conscious. It just means conscious that watching. you're. I think it, it it comes with age, it comes with experience, mm. it comes with that um, ability to to stop um, accepting the, your tolerance. Yeah, becomes different because there would have been a time that I just would have been like, oh my god, yeah, and then you know, like they organised Reese Witherspoon's closet, and you should see oh. there's all this stuff from Absolutely. like oh, this dress is amazing and it's this and you know, blah, blah. and they're just like fawning over her, and she's like, can you guys just deal with this? I'm oh, gonna really? go see my mom. Right. Oh. Yeah, I don't Did know. Do they show any of her philanthropy? <laughs> Nothing. No, no, just that she's moved into a brand new massive mansion in somewhere yeah. and I don't know she worked hard for she it. does work you know mm-hmm. look she's no nurse but she worked hard for it and then and these women call in their team like they've got like four girls that work with them and they're all so excited that they get to spend the day organizing Reese Witherspoon's wardrobe and um Reese yeah. the off-camera you know when Reese does her piece to camera she's like well I'm just such a big advocate for women working together and working in teams so any organization where there's women who are working in teams is something I really admire and I'm like they're working in a team to do something for you that you don't want to do mm. I, I don't know I don't know it just it left a bad taste in my yeah mouth. I get it I get it and that's that's good I think it is a, a bit of a wake up wokeness but um it just means what inspires you is different now and you will start watching that yes. instead. So it's just like people that think Oops. when they become a vegetarian, they're not going to make any difference by one person not buying the meat. It does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, before you do Chicken the Now, yeah. um, I just wanted to mention, you know, we talked about back in time. For dinner, yeah. ABC. Yeah. Um, that if um, if everyone saw that Mick Flick um, yeah. When they talked about Mick Flick, can you believe it? Bawled my eyes out. Oh, it was so lovely. You know when he broke, Joe? Yes. When he broke? Yeah. That, you, that was really hard to watch. Wasn't it? Like, but beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. And then she cried and, and like, uh, Carol cried. and I don't think there would have been yeah. many dry eyes oh, yeah, in yeah. their homes watching that. So if you saw that, go back and listen to um, Isabel Flick, that episode, yes. because we talk about Mick and we talk – and we mention exactly that, that he had to get the beer passed through the window – um, you know, and he's like, I went and fought for my country and now I can't even have a beer with my mates. So it's just – and you could see it on Carol's yeah. reaction. Yeah, her. that really affected her. It did and it, it affects us the same way. Yeah. You watch her and you go, that's our, that's us, yeah. how we we're reacting. But it was, yeah. And I'm so yeah. glad we got to see her reaction because yes. everyone was reacting at home, I think, that way. Yeah. And it's so unbelievable. Like, you know, you're watching the daughter as well, kind of like... What? That doesn't make sense. This doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. And yeah. the son, yeah. I think he said this is messed up. It was up. beautiful. That yeah. was messed up. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. So... Um, yeah, I'm really glad that the ABC are yeah. doing that yeah. and they're integrating... Yes. Th- Indigenous history yes. with the with the Australian and British history yep. of Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, what it was such like a great be, show, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's so good. Anyway, have you watched it, Sammy? I don't know no. what his answer to that is. No, he shook his head. So good. Yeah. My chick in the now is a woman called Amber Wilkinson. This week. Oh, tell me more about Amber Wilkinson. She's a mum. Yep. Lives in Melbourne. Yeah. And she's created. A business, yeah. started a business called Kind is Cool. Oh. Now, Kind is Cool yes. is apparel and it's ethically made apparel. Yeah. And it just has... You wear that stuff all the time. All the time. Yeah. I think it's just so nice because it's a daily reminder for me and anyone that looks at me yes. to be kind. You gave me a jumper. Yeah. And I wear it. And when I wear it, I feel... Kinder? Kinder. I feel like people are looking at me going... I've got more stuff for you. Yeah, kind is cool. It really is. Yeah. I just got a mask from them. Oh. Have a look at this mask. I'll just pop a photo up on the um, WhatsApp group. Show me that, yeah. Between you, me and Sammy. Okay. It's, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. And it's and it's got adjustable straps. Oh, that's The cool. other ones don't have adjustable... Anyway, mm. they think about things. Amber has started this and she's also raises money... Mm-hmm. With all of the uh, merchandise that she sells, yeah, she's. This is what it says on their website: mm. spreading kindness and inspiring others to do the same. Kind is cool was founded with the intent to lead by example and show our younger generations that kind is cool. Kind is cool. proudly supporting Bully Zero. Yes, we donate two dollars per item sold to help educate and empower everyone, not just young people, about bullying. The change starts with you. Awesome. So I just think she's a sweetheart. We actually met her. You've met her. Yes. Um, at a gig we went to in St Kilda at the Danielle D'Andrea concert yes. concert gig. Oh my god, that was so good. Bonnie Anderson's. An yes. incredible artist yeah. in her own right. Um, her sister is Amber, and oh, Amber is, is Danny's best friend. Oh, they grew up I together, see. so right. they're oh, all awesome. very, very close. And that's how I kind of got on to Amber, and yep. you know, following her. And she's such a lovely person, and yeah. she works really hard at what she does. And I just think that we need to have a little shout out to her as a chick in the now. So today. Ms. Jones, yes. I got a story for you. 
I'll sit back and relax. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know me, you know that I've worked <clears throat> almost half my life in the music industry. Yeah. Not anymore, but I used to. I am very embarrassed that I have not heard about this woman. Really? Yep. You've not heard about her? No. Who is she? I've never heard about her. I'm going to tell you who she is. Who? And um, I, I just can't believe it that I haven't. And I only learnt about her after watching one of your oh. favourite documentaries. I know who it is. It's um, Colette, isn't it? Ring my bell. You can ring my bell. Ring my bell. My bell. And bike shorts. Yeah, oh, God. Jesus Christ. I, I used to dress like that in Oh, of course school. you did. We all did. Um, I didn't look quite good in it, <laughs> but I still did it. No, I got introduced to this woman through watching the Helen Reddy documentary. Oh, yeah, so, that was a disappointment. Yeah, you didn't like it. I, I, I actually didn't mind it. But, um, but we're not talking about Helen Reddy because... <laughs> Uh, everyone everyone else who, is. Who that is. Everyone knows who that is. But we're talking about someone who was in that documentary, someone called Lillian Roxon. So I'm going to tell you this story about yes. Lillian Roxon. Yes. And j- unbelievable. Anyway, so. Just, I have heard of her, by the way, and I am really surprised that you haven't. I haven't. I know, right? She's one of the best writers. Uh, Rock writers. Come on, tell okay, me about so her. Lillian Ropschitz. 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 Oh, she was, was born Jewish. in Italy mm, in 1932 to a Jewish family. She was born in Italy? Yeah. What? In 1937, when she was just five, the family migrated to Australia because there was some crazy shit going on with Mussolini and, oh, yeah, we know about that. and Hitler. <laughs> so the family fled. And they went to Britain and then they ended up in Melbourne. Wow. Yes. Shortly after they settled in Brisbane and um, it was Lillian who suggested they change their name to Roxon, their last name to Roxon. That's a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Rock shit? It was Ropshits. Ropshits. Yeah. So Lillian uh, went to St Hilda's boarding school in Southport. Uh, for three years before attending Brisbane State High School. Wow. She always had hopes of becoming a journalist uh, and when she was just 14, she sold her first article to Woman's Magazine, which is now Woman's Day. Is that still going, Woman's Day? I don't even know if that magazine's still... I think it is. Yeah. Um, She left school in 1949 and after failing to get even a copywriter's job, she decided to move to Sydney and enrol into Sydney Uni and uh, she thought, quote, it would be a nice place to hang out and meet boys. True. So during the 1950s in Sydney, there was this network of intellectuals and bohemians known as the Push. The Push? Why? Yeah. So the Push were like this little group um, and they had a very uh, libertarian view towards sex and politics and Lillian really appreciated their kind of thoughts on the world and their views and she was like, I'm going to join your gang. Um, they would meet in pubs in Sydney, in particular the Slip-In, <gasps> back of the Slip-In bar, which we famous, famously know as where Mary met her prince. Frederick. Yes. Um, he slipped it in. The push was made up. 
Eagle. The push was made up of labourers, <laughs> musicians, lawyers, criminals, journalists and public servants, as well as staff and students from Sydney University. Um, so at the time they would meet, the pubs were closing at six o'clock at that time in Sydney. The wow. pubs would close. They would all go out and have dinner at an Italian restaurant, which I love. Oh. They would get a three-course meal for 26 cents. No. And then they would all go back to someone's house and most of the time they would go back to Lillian's house and she would host everyone Do back Do you know where house. she lived? Um, I think at the time um, Kings – well, she spent a lot of time around Kings Cross. So they said – some of the stuff I've read, it says that she would go out to pubs in Kings Cross and then they'd go back to her place. So I'm assuming it would be oh. close – Close by. She probably lived in Wollamaloo. She just loved the social aspect of, of hosting people and, you know, having people at her house and having drinks. And so she was kind of known in the group as that. So she, during these years um, with the push, she established her reputation as being a witty and independent woman. She was a natural at seeking out new talent and um, was really always passionate about promoting what she believed in. And she was actually living with her boyfriend at the time, which during the 50s and 60s was a big no-no. No. So it was kind of unheard of in those days. She was still following her passion and desire to be a journalist and uh wanting to write for a living. So she starts working as a publicist for a department store called Anthony Horden and Sons in Sydney in 1957. Um, And then she's hired by a magazine called Weekend, which was owned by Frank Packer. We know know Frank Packer. Patriarch of the Packer family. Yeah. So in 1959, she decides to move to New York to become uh, one of... Australia's first female overseas correspondents. Wow. And she's one of the first Australian journalists, in fact, to establish a high profile in the US. Wow. Uh, in 1962, she becomes the New York correspondent for the Sydney Morning Herald. Wow. And over the next 10 years, she reports on arts, entertainment, women and women's issues for the Australian, American and British press. Now, fun fact. Yeah. She used to sit opposite Darren Hinch. In New York? Yep. What was he doing at? At that time. He was also working for, as a correspondent. What? Yeah. So, I know, right? I bet they got on the piss together. <laughs> New York in the 1960s. Shortly after noon on November 22, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated as he rode in a motorcade through Dealey Plaza in downtown Dallas, Texas. The nation is left mourning and in a state of shock. 1964, Beatlemania hits New York when thousands of hyperventilating fans converge upon Pan Am Flight 101, hoping to catch a glimpse of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. The Fab Four have just skyrocketed to the top of the charts with I Wanna Hold Your Hand. 1969, musical history is made when over 400,000 people turn up to a dairy farm in Bethel, New York, for the very first Woodstock. Music legends Jimi Hendrix, The Grateful Dead, and Joni Mitchell are among 32 acts that will perform across three days. Why I order? Yeah. 
Okay, so it's the mid-1960s in New York and Lillian is becoming obsessed with pop music. Bands like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones the are Beatles. all just emerging. Where and they come from? <laughs> Beatles? Heard of them? <laughs> no. So Lillian is one of the first journalists who starts writing about pop music um, and she is one of the first uh, writers to start reporting about them from like a journalistic sense and at the time no one was really taking pop music seriously they just thought it was like music was just a bit like a flash in the pan these people would come and go and everyone's kind of making a bit of a big fuss about it and um, but Lillian always knew that pop music was going to be a really big business and that people were going to make uh, lots of money. She's famously known for asking uh, the Beatles manager so Epstein yeah Exactly. So, are you a millionaire? Are you a millionaire yet? So, Danny Fields, who was a music manager at the time, he'll go on to become one of the most influential figures in punk music. Remembers being in the room and hearing her ask that question, and all of the other journalists were like, "What? You can't ask that. like a millionaire? Like this is from music? Are you oh, kidding? Like right. she thinks this is a business? Like a duh? What a dum dum." Yeah, so while journalists were busy reporting on anything but music, fans started to take the reportage into their own hands. And this is where fanzines come from because um, no, no journalists at the time were reporting, but there was a hunger for music fans and a, and a curiosity for music fans to learn about their favourite artists, but no journalists were writing about it. So fanzines were created and fans started writing about it. So the journalists and the publishers started to feel a little bit like they were being taken over and they're like, hang yeah, on a minute. They are. What are the, the fans are writing about this shit? Why aren't we writing about it? Mm. So music journalism was kind of born and people started to take it a little bit more seriously. So, and it started to get more attention. Lillian started to kind of introduce it more and more to the Sydney Morning Herald and say that she thinks that she should be able to sort of start writing articles about music. Danny Field and Lillian, um, so Danny introduces her to, they become good friends after that press conference because he's like, I like that chick. She's got a bit of a spunk about it. He's drawn to her boldness and she's just this no bullshit approach to journalism. He ends up taking her to Max's, uh, Max's Kansas City nightclub. So Where's that? This is in New York. Yeah. Now, Max's Kansas City was an institution. It was at the forefront of the 1960s counterculture um, and it was a gathering spot for musicians, poets, poets, artists and politicians in the 1960s and 70s. It was a favourite hangout of Andy Warhol. Of course it was. And his entourage. Um, the Velvet Underground played there, um, including one of their last shows with Lou Reed. It was a home base for the glam rock scene. So David Bowie started there, Iggy Pop, Alice Cooper, Patty Smith used to go there. Like it was just freaking fly on the wall. Cool. Oh my lord! Imagine. So she gets um, introduced to this Max's, and she's like, "Holy shit! This all these people are amazing. This place is amazing." So she holds what was known as an announcement party. So she wants to announce herself to the socialite world, um, which is something that. You know, you did back then in the in the sixties. You had an announcement party, and you said, "I'm here, people. Here I am." So she became quite sort of well known, and she f- started to fit right into the scene at Max's. And it wasn't long before she's hanging out with Bob Dylan and Andy Warhol, and her and Danny set up shop 
in the back room and it was known as Lillian's Parlour. And it was the secret back room of Max's. Um, she becomes somewhat of a mother figure to artists like Patti Smith and Deborah Harry, Deb Harry at the time. So um, they basically trusted her. She was... Um, like I said, a mother figure. She didn't drink. She didn't take drugs. She was really. She was a little bit older than them as well. She was probably about ten years older, kind of than most of these kind of emerging um, pop stars. And the managers knew that if they would go to her um, and they would listen to the music, and they had the opportunity to listen first, that she would could either make or break a new artist. Right by writing about by them. writing about them. So and people would listen to her. They respected her opinion about music, and she was sort of starting to, you know, make her way up the the ranks of like people to kind of take note of in terms of in that music in the music scene. So she was one of the first mainstream journalists to treat popular music with any degree of seriousness and to regard it not as a trivial flash in the pan but as an important social phenomenon. So when Australians would come to visit, she would always take them under her wing and she would take them to Max's and introduce them to all of these amazing people. So, which is famous, famously in the Helen Reddy documentary, when Helen comes to New York, she's asked to hook up with Lillian and Lillian takes her to Max's and it's where Helen goes on to meet her husband, yada, yada. Um, But there is a story of when um, the Easy Beats come to New York and um, they're sort of following in the Beatles footsteps so she can the the easy beats come she goes on tour with them and she gets kicked off the tour because she sleeps with the whole band <laughs> and she's not a drinker she's not a drinker doesn't take she drugs all that's so <laughs> jesus christ and she's also known to have said i fall as- uh, to fall asleep instead of counting sheep I count lovers. Yeah. So um, wow, she was very ahead of her time. Very ahead of her time. So she was obviously had like a really kind of open attitude, wasn't shy about sex, and it was possibly a bit of a hangover from her push days where back then it was all just footloose and fancy free. Yeah. Lillian starts introducing more and more music to the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and then she ends up pairing up with a woman called Linda Eastman. Does that Never- ring a bell? Oh, Linda Eastman, Paul McCartney's wife. Yeah, so she's a photographer at the time. So yes. the two of them would just can't sing for shit. <laughs> no, she was a photographer. Yeah, she should have stuck with that. <laughs> did she sing after? Did she start? He started a band after the Beatles called Wings. Oh, was and she in Wings? Insisted she be a part of it. They used to have to. It's very famous what they the producers and the audio engineers had to remove her vocal it was so bad and people leaked it oh just her vocal how off like she was tone deaf oh wow but you couldn't argue with paul (laughs) side note back to brain surgery that's brilliant rocket surgery surgery. so yeah so they would team up um and they you know they go on boat tours with the Rolling Stones, they'd hang out at Andy Warhol's factory. Like, mm. can you imagine how fucking cool it would have been? So her articles about the burgeoning rock scene are now credited as being the foundation stones of serious music journalism. And it's the reason why later on she'll be she'll go on to be described as the mother of rock. 
Um, she starts a weekly radio show called Discotech, um, where she re- review music from all over the world. And she's basically the original Molly Meldrum. Yeah. So she'd come on and be like, so I listened to this new album from this little band called The Rolling Stones. Not really my cup of tea, if you ask me, but um, give it a listen. By about track seven, it gets pretty good. <laughs> It's hilarious. So, yeah, you can listen to it. I actually found all of the recordings on the um, uh, the archive, the Sound and mm-hmm. Film Archive yep. website. Um, but they're all there. You can listen to them. And it's amazing. And she just talks like this. She's no bullshit. Like, oh, listen to this new album from someone called Bette Midler. It's oh, not yeah. bad. It's all right. It's all right. This kid, Elton John, this never th- heard of him. <laughs> David, Doing all right. David Bowie. <laughs> Where's makeup? Yeah. Sounds all right. Though. So that was in 1971. It was syndicated across 250 radio stations in the United States. Wow. Um, she spoke with confidence and authority, especially given that that was uh, largely a man's world yes. back then. Um, and she was truly ahead of her time. She did meet and become friends with David Bowie and his first wife, Angie. And um, she joined them on uh, the, his first tour in the USA in 1972 and she was a major cha- major champion of Bowie's music and helping him break into the US market. So people listened to her. So basically if she said it was cool, everyone jumped on the bandwagon. Now what she's most famously known for is um, writing the world's very first rock encyclopedia. So while she was still working and filing stories for the Sydney Morning Herald, she was also writing a uh, 611-page encyclopedia which had over 1,200 alphabetical entries of uh, rock music and where rock music was at the time. It was published in 1969 and um, the New York Times described it as the most complete book on rock music and rock culture ever written. Wow. And it would be used as a template for many that followed after it. Her uh, encyclopedia was reissued in uh, 1978 by Ed Naha. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So after the, uh, her encyclopedia was released, she became hot property uh, and everyone wanted a piece of her. Um, she started to expand her profile and in the 70s she became more widely known for her feminist stance. She wrote a groundbreaking and highly personal report about the August 1970s Women's Rights March in New York mm-hmm. and she published the uh, article in the Sydney Morning Herald under the title There is a Tide in the Affairs of Women. Mm. She began the piece with, this is the hardest piece I've ever had to write in my life. I'm supposed to be telling it briskly and factually and without bias. Fat chance. I'm so biased I can hardly think straight. Wow. She goes on to say, mainly I think what women want is to be taken seriously, but a woman has always been a bit of a joke. Women don't even take one another seriously. Mm. So while she was getting into um, all of this kind of women's uh, rights movement, she is um, still friends with Helen Reddy and she ends up sending the press clippings and articles to Helen who's living in LA at the time. And it's because of this that Helen will go on to write I Am Woman. 
and um, was a massive influence for her in writing that song um, and getting kind of Helen into that sort of women's movement and that song that basically has become the anthem for um, for, for women women's liberation. Liberation, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they made a movie about Helen Reddy. This is way more interesting. Yeah, I know. There's a, there's a documentary actually that was um, um, entered into the Melbourne Film Festival, which I watched. This year? No, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, called the Mother of Rock, Lillian Roxon story, wow. and it's I, yeah, you can I, I got it off iTunes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fascinating. So mm. so cool. Darren Hinch is on it. He gets interviewed. It's yeah, it's it's cool. Even with even with Dar- Darren. Darren. Um, so while she's writing the encyclopedia and still keeping up her job, this is really having a, a toll on her health and she develops severe asthma um, and she also starts getting really bad side effects from all of the drugs she's taking. The air in New York apparently at the time is so bad. The mm. smog um, was, was really, really bad and this was only making her asthma um, worse. So one night, uh, Helen Reddy was set to perform and is performing in New York um, and Lillian is supposed to go with Darren. They're supposed to go together and um, Darren ends up calling her and she says, look, I just, I'm just not feeling well. Um, come and pick up the tickets. You can have the tickets. You'd go and take a date, um, but I'm just going to stay in tonight. So Darren goes to pick up the tickets. He talks about seeing her. She's not looking great. Her health has kind of really um, taken a bit of a turn and um, Darren ends up going to the concert and the next day he calls her and um, she doesn't answer the phone. He gets, starts getting quite worried and for the next two days he's calling her with no response and um, her friends start to get quite worried. Um, so they summon the police, they break into her apartment and um, they find her passed away. So Lillian Roxon died at the age of 41 on oh the 10th no, of August so 1973 after suffering a severe asthma attack <gasps> in her New York apartment. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, Darren actually had to go and identify her body. Oh, that's awful. And um, yeah, it's really heartwarming to watch him tell that story because they were really good mates. So a memorial service is held for her at the Universal Funeral Chapel in New York. One of Roxon's last print articles reported on the landmark New York concerts at Max's, Kansas City, by E. Pop and the Stooges. And her final piece uh, filed in early August was on the rising British glam rock star Mark Bolan, who is uh, the lead singer of T-Rex. She wrote a novel loosely based on her years in Sydney, which was never published, but the manuscript now resides in Sydney's Mitchell Library, um, along with her large collection of letters and other papers donated by family and her close friends. Wow. I can't believe how much she did. Yeah. And she died at 41. I know. In 1998, Yvonne Ruskin, in her book High on Rebellion, called Lillian Roxon the mother of rock and roll journalism. Mm. Her niece, Nicola Roxon, mm. was Federal Minister for Health and mm. Ageing between 2007 and 2011 and also the Attorney General from 2011 mm. to 2013. Wow. And that is the story of the amazing Lillian Roxon. Well, that, that was very good. Very, very good. Rest in peace, Lillian. What I know. a rock star. Yeah. It's very cool. I mean, I mean, I watched the Helen Reddy thing and I automatically just went, hang on a minute. Like, she's who is this one. woman? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Who, she's, she's living in New York in that, like, mm, being a yeah, journalist yeah, and she's yeah. Australian and yeah. she's, like, hanging out with, like, 
David Bowie yeah. and Bob Dylan and like, yep. It's funny the girl yeah, that played her cool in the um, biopic, Danielle McDonald, I think her name is Australian girl. Yes, she's actually been working in America for ten years, and to play Lillian. Wow. She had to relearn her Australian accent. Oh, really? Yeah, get rid of the R's. And because um, she does, there is a twang of, of the R's still yes. in that character yes. as well. And I thought, I wonder if they did that on purpose to make it mm, no, sound that was, like I think, she's... Danielle. <laughs> right, right. She's been speaking with an American Australian accent and oh. then just an American accent for so long in all of the movies she's and shows she's done. Oh. So. She's done very well for young yeah. Australian. She, what else was she in though? She was in um, Pud Pudlin, Pudlin, Dumplin, Dumplin, Pudlin, 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 Dumplin, Dumplins and Pudlins. Dumplins and Pudlins. She was in that Bird Box with Oh yeah, 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 Sandra Bullock. Yes, yes. Ever heard of her? Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, she's good. She's going to do really well. Yeah. Sandra. Yeah, yeah. Good um, talent, big talent. But, yeah, that actress is, mm. is, is good. Mm. So, yeah. But yeah. she did a good good job of Lillian. She did. Yeah, she really did. Very sad. Yeah. Little story. I can't believe how much she squeezed into a short life. Mm. I know. Like It goes to show just how lazy I am. Yeah. <laughs> just how little I've done. But it's not about me, Annie. No, it's, it's not. It's about you. It's about Lillian Roxon. It's about Lillian. Wow. We salute you. We do salute you, Lil. Look at you. You've got to the end. So if you're still listening, we're just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you want to listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.